So, Nicola, um, very welcome to this program. We are absolutely thrilled to have you on. Thank you. I'm very happy to be with you too. I've been following L'Oreal for uh, you know very many years, as your colleagues can confirm. I just think it's one of the most spectacularly incredible companies I have ever seen. Thank you very much. And um, we are just so thrilled to have you on. And um, why are the French doing beauty so well? Ah, oh, uh, well, I think it's uh, we have a long history with beauty. You know, uh, uh, particularly in the in the the, the courts of, of the French kings in Versailles or in the Louvre, there was uh, a lot of attention pay, paid to uh, to beauty, to luxury, to craftsmanship. Uh, you know, v- very early on, uh, Catherine de Médicis. Uh, brought uh, her perfumer in her luggage wherever she traveled. And uh, and in Versailles, uh, I guess there was a lot of... Uh, fragrance was very important because I heard that there was not always a pleasant smell. So they, they, they developed a, a pretty strong uh, art in, in mastering uh, fragrances. Uh, and there was a lot of attention to the uh, to the aesthetics from the creation of wigs at uh, Louis XIII and uh, and all across the French history. So it's it has become part of the uh, French art de vivre, as we say. Mm. And... Uh, and I guess uh, we like it and we are good at it, but we are not the only ones. And in reality, if I look at, uh, at L'Oréal, L'Oréal is indeed a French company, but it's a very international company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are global. We have, uh, I think, 170 different nationalities. Uh, our uh, executive committee is uh, multinational. Uh, so in the end, it's a, a French savoir-faire, a French know-how, but... Uh, we are very uh, eager to share this with uh, and th- share this passion with other nationalities and and bring it to other countries. But um, with the exception of perhaps Italy, anybody else who does it as well as you do? Well, uh, if you look at at the top groups uh, in in terms of beauty in the world, you have uh, you have lots of European companies, but you also have uh, a few. Uh, Japanese companies or American companies. But I have to say, uh, as we know, beauty is an offer market and there is this very unique blend of science, but also of creative flair, uh, invention. And and I think probably the the French have this uh, dual brains or dual origin, which is both being the country of Pasteur and and at the same time, uh, a country that has always uh, given a lot of room for arts, uh, and and this blend of arts and science is probably very uh, very unique to France, and you're right to say to to some extent to Italy. That's why we have, by the way, in our portfolio, very beautiful uh, Italian brands uh, from Armani to Valentino and Prada, just to to name the three biggest, mm-hmm. um, which are also great uh, great beauty and luxury brands. When you say creative flair, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that uh, you know when you are uh, uh, when you are creating beauty products, uh, it's n- not just about analyzing what people need. It's trying to second guess their dreams and mm. make people's dreams or dreams they haven't dreamt yet become reality. So there's a part of risk taking. There's a part of invention of creativity. Uh, you know, if I take even my own example in my early days of my career, when uh, when I was a marketing director and I created the the, the, the Fructis brand, um, you know, if I was looking, at, I was briefed to create a, uh, a hair care brand that could rival with the Pantene of this world. And all the studies were telling me that care, hair care was about uh, white products, very creamy, very reassuring, and it had to be uh, in this type of 
very reassuring aspects of uh, an aesthetics. And I, because of intuition, because of who I was, and I think that's what um, also part of the L'Oreal recipe of success is that you give the people the freedom to create. I came up with the idea that on the contrary, we ha- if we wanted to take share and to, to bring consumers something new, we had to disrupt the market. And, um, and that creative flair led to create a, a fluorescent green shampoo, which was probably contradicting all the, uh, the boxes that I supposedly had to take. It took me mm-hmm. a while, by the way, to convince everybody. But I, had, I was given the opportunity and the freedom to do it, and it became a, a fantastic success. So that's where the flair comes in. But as I said, this project was backed by science because it was a real discovery from our R&D that, that discovered that uh, acid, uh, fruit acids were strengthening the hair. So you had the combination of science and, and this creativity, which, were, which are kind of unique to L'Oreal. Mm. Now, in your mind, why is beauty such a great business to be in? Well, um, it's it's a great business for for several reasons. First of all, um, you know, it's a very positive business. It's a business that can change people's lives, feel them, make them feel better about themselves, allowing them maybe to be who they are or who they want to be. Sometimes solving their problems. Sometimes they're just improving their their confidence and their morale. And it has been proven since, uh, you know, the, ve- the very dawn of, of humankind uh, that, that beauty had this power to either uh, make people feel better or solve people's problem. And that, that's fantastic. You know, when I go to work every morning, I know that I'm, I'm working for, for the greater good. And that's why, by the way, we've added to our own products the, 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 the desire to have a positive impact on the world and, and society, which we have encapsulated in our uh, sense of purpose to create the beauty that moves the world. So that is, you know, the number one reason why it's exciting. The other one, and that relates to what we were uh, discussing before, is that uh, because it's an offer-driven market and because beauty is an unattainable, there's no perfection. And and, and I guess this market is, con- is going to continue to grow for, for the, the, the next decades. What are the main drivers now behind this growth? Well, Well, there are several drivers. Uh, obviously, demography. Uh, demography uh, plays a, a, an important role in many ways because you've got, of course, uh, population growing. You've got people living longer. And uh, maybe there are some beauty products that you will stop using uh, uh, when you're 70 or 80, but you need, you still need skincare. You still need to protect your skin. You still need some makeup. You still need to wash yourself. Uh, and on the other hand, younger generations are starting sooner and sooner to take care of their skin, to either wear makeup or, or, or use different products. So demography is a very powerful uh, growth driver. Uh, a second growth driver, which is related to demography, is the growth of middle classes. You know, mm-hmm. overall in the world, even though there are some uh, there are some tensions in the world and about the gaps that can be created between the, the wealthiest and the poorest. But overall, the average uh, income uh, of the worldwide population uh, continues to grow. And, and that's mm. great. If I, if I take the, uh, the, the, the middle and upper classes uh, between now and 2030, there'll be more than a billion people joining this, uh, these ranks. Uh, just in China alone, there will be 370 million new people entering the middle classes by 2030. And all these people, uh, well, they aspire to take care of themselves when, you know, they are uh, 
properly housed and fed, uh, you know, the next thing they want uh, is to to feel better, to look great, and they buy beauty. Mm -hmm. Now, um, an example, you mentioned demography. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that um, women doubles the spend on cosmetics from age 25 to 50. Uh, have you got any stats like that? Well, I am not aware of these statistics, but I'm not surprised because, uh, of course, uh, You know, the older you grow, uh, the more you need to use products, even though one of the phenomenons that have frankly have appeared, uh, have happened over the last probably four or five years is that uh, uh, the, the number of products used by uh, younger consumers has increased a lot. Uh, typically, skincare mm. was not a category that was very used by, uh, you know, 20 years old or 25 year old because, they, you know, they felt this was just about anti-wrinkles. Uh, which were not really relevant for them. But now uh, they're using, first of all, uh, wearing masks uh, has increased heavily uh, uh, acne. Uh, it's called maskne. And there's lots of skin issues that have been generated just by the fact of using masks. But more globally, uh, people see that uh, protecting your skin, for example, uh, for example from the uh, harmful effect of the UV rays, is, it's not just a question of looking good. It's also health related issue. So you've got younger and younger people that that, that, that are using skincare uh, on top of makeup, uh, hair color. So no, I'm not surprised with your statistics. And the other things we have to, to work uh, on is to make sure that men uh, increase also their uh, their beauty products usage. Uh, we know that uh, in Asia, for example, uh, Men traditionally use skincare, even sometimes makeup in some countries, but uh, uh, we are still a bit behind on that uh, in the Western world where men mainly use uh, you know, fragrances and shampoos and shower gels and a bit less skincare. Uh, but the market is growing also, uh, not just for men-specific products, but with men using products that are not non-gender uh, allocated. Uh, and that's also a big opportunity for us. How does social media um, impact this? I mean, I guess uh, now we have to look good 24-7, no? Yeah, well, you know, the first huge accelerator of the makeup market were, was the appearance of, of, you know, of iPhones or cell phones and selfies. Uh, suddenly you were showing your, uh, your, your image and taking picture all the time. And then it was uh, uh, augmented by social networks such as Instagram or, uh, or Facebook, where you start or, or, or the Chinese equivalent where... where You're, you're, you're uh, posting your, uh, your images and uh, try to look at uh, the, the, the best. And even if we look at what we're doing right now, which is a uh, type of video conferencing, well, in the very early days of COVID, people were, were just appearing uh, uh, normally uh, uh, without paying particular attention to their look in the first uh, video conferences. And after seeing their face on the screen, the way I see mine right now, uh, every day, uh, Uh, 10, 10 hours a day, uh, people started saying, well, man, I got, I got to find the right makeup or I got to find the right lighting to, to look even better on my screen. So, uh, so yeah, you have to look great, uh, whether it's uh, in real life or in virtual life. I think you look great. You can rest assured. <laughs> Thank you. You look great too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, where do you think the beauty market is 10 years from now? I mean, what is going to look differently? Well, first of all, it's going to be much bigger and definitely more sustainable. That's really the, the, the number one preoccupation of younger consumers. And it's the number one preoccupation of, of L'Oréal. Uh, that's why we've 
We've started uh, a long time ago with our Sharing Beauty with All program and now have moved to our L'Oreal for the Future program with very strong commitments as it relates to uh, to sustainability, be it in the usage of recy- post-recycled plastic, uh, renewable ingredients. And that's why we're investing so much in our green sciences, which are going to be the, the next revolution in, in terms of, of, of science. So it's definitely going to be more sustainable uh, health. And that's one of the things that has been uh, significantly accelerated by COVID. Uh, health uh, has become a very strong preoccupation for for consumers, which means that not only do, do they want uh, sustainable ingredients, but they want safe products. Uh, they want products that are prescribed by dermatologists like our active cosmetics uh, uh, brands, but but safe products. It's going to be more digital, of course, because the weight of e-commerce will continue to grow. And who knows, maybe it will be a part of the beauty market will be in the metaverse. That's the very early days in this new uh, new venture. Will, will, uh, will people, uh, v- virtual selves, want to be uh, beautified with uh, virtual makeups from, uh, from Yves Saint Laurent or from Lancôme? Uh, we don't know, but it's definitely uh, things that we will want to explore. Do you do you think that will happen? I don't know. You know, uh, you know, who would have uh, if, if somebody had asked me uh, 20 years ago whether I, ha- I would have access to all the information I need on my phone, take pictures, and I would have said, well, I don't know. It sounds kind of strange, but today, uh, video gaming is uh, is a bigger industry than uh, music and movies on a uh, together. Um, people, the younger generations like to spend time online. So uh, it's definitely going to be a new way to engage consumers. So in a way to connect the brands, whether mm. people will want to spend enough time in these metaverse and, and be buying, you know, virtual makeup or vir- virtual hairstyles. It's a possibility. We have to explore it. To be honest, today I'm focused and I'm focusing my research on and, and my marketing teams on, on creating and selling real products to real people in the real world. But as you know, one of our mantras is uh, cease what is starting. We have to explore this new landscape and uh, be ready uh, for whatever uh, direction it takes. Now, moving on to uh, L'Oreal, the company itself, a lot of the listeners probably don't know uh, the full scope of your uh, brand portfolio, which is uh, unrivaled and and incredible, including, you know, the top brands such as Lancôme, you've got L'Oreal Paris, you have, you know, Kiel, uh, Biotherm. Do you feel you lack anything in your portfolio? I don't think I lack anything, but we're always uh, on the lookout for new opportunities. We just bought Youth to the People. Uh, it's a small Californian ve- vegan skincare brand. And we saw that Gen Zs were fond of this type of brands. And we, when we saw the brand rising, we contacted them and uh, invited them to join the L'Oreal family. So it was not a need, it was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, you've um, you rolled out the um, kind of the environmental and social labeling to... Not so many of your brands yet. Why, why is this taking such a long time? Well, um, I think there are two things. First of all, it, it took some time to develop a very robust uh, calculation methodology. And we are rolling it out. Uh, we, we started, it was last year, with, uh, with Garnier. And we have a rollout plan for most of our brands over the next couple of years. But I think we, we made a, a decision that was both very strategic, very unusual, and very important for this, uh, uh, I would say, uh, ecological score, eco score of beauty, is that we decided to share it with the industry. Because if L'Oreal comes out with a, uh, a label and, uh, you know, 
auto analyzes its own products uh, and every brand comes out, comes out with their own label, consumers will, will say, you know, this is not serious. We have to, uh, how can we believe somebody who's judging its own products? So we, mm. we, we contacted a few of our competitors, which who, who we normally uh, compete with. And we told them, okay, guy, we have this, we have developed this. We think it's great. It's demanding. And we'd like to share it with you. And we'd like this to become the new standard of the industry. And we first contacted Unilever and then progressively uh, we created that consortium and invited the whole industry to join us. And, and that's what they're doing. I think today we probably have 90% of the beauty players around the world that are in our consortium. And now what we are doing, obviously, is that as always, when there are many players, we need to agree uh, on every little detail uh, because they can't just take the L'Oreal method and uh, uh, implement it like that for their own business. But it's making good progress, which doesn't stop us from publishing our own scores on our products. But the, as the, the big ambition is to create a, a European and why not a global standard of, uh, of, of assessment of the ecological impact of products, we think this uh, will probably... Uh, happen uh, probably end of 23, beginning of 24. But if we manage that, then consumers will have a reliable, uniform, shared uh, method that we'll use by all brands, and that will be uh, priceless. Mm. If somebody argued that uh, you spend billions and billions of euros on on marketing uh, and, in a way, creating a need that, uh, that doesn't exist, how do you answer those kind of comments? What's very uh, clear is that, uh, and we've seen it again uh, during the, this crisis, is that beauty is an essential part of humanity. People need uh, and use uh, cosmetic products because it's part of, of, the, of their way to feel better about themselves, to feel clean, to feel protected. And we've seen every, you know, every time the lockdowns uh, were stopped, people rushed to buy products. Uh, it's part of, the, of, of what it is to be human. And it doesn't, you know, we didn't start today. I, I, was, uh, I took a, a week off uh, a month ago and I went to Egypt. And I was visiting the Cairo Museum and I, there was a whole window which I photographed where you, were, you had all the beauty products, the, the eye makeup products, the unguents for the skin that were used by, by Egyptians and Cleopatra. And, uh, you know, it was not imposed onto them by L'Oreal. They, 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 uh, they briefed <laughs> their own uh, little uh, researchers to create stuff that make them you know, uh, look great. Sometimes it was even to, to please the gods. But, uh, but, but beauty is so essential to humanity that I think what we are doing is doing creating products that are important to people. But we are creating them in a way that has uh, the least possible impact. And so far, we've mm -hmm. done a good job with re the reduction of our uh, CO2 emissions, for example. Uh, and I can tell you that the whole company is like super focused and dedicated to creating that beauty that moves the world, with, which means creating a beauty that uh, does not impact the world and allows us to stay within the uh, 1.5 degrees of science-based targets. Mm, impressive. Um, you've um, decided to suspend all sales in Russia. Do you think that geopolitics will become more and more important for you? Well, what is, uh, what is clear is that um, we live in a world uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, at least in this uh, period of time, uh, getting uh, more polarized uh, with more divides between different big countries. Uh, and, and so we have, to, we have to always adapt to the reality of the moment. Whilst remaining true to our, uh, 
to our values. You know, uh, L'Oréal uh, has always uh, prioritized the safety and the support to his to his teams and. Uh, Uh, our position in Russia yeah, has indeed to uh, to uh, to abide by the sanctions and uh, and to 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 make sure that uh, uh, none of what we were having there could uh, could benefit the the local regime and fund the local regime. But we continue to 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 pay uh, and to protect our Russian teams. Uh, so mm. I think that's very important. And looking ahead, I think uh, brands and, and companies will be more and more expected to uh, to, to take stances on on, on things uh, uh, on events of the world. Uh, and I think it's it, we have to be wise and cautious. And uh, because we are a company, we are uh, we are there to to deliver uh, our products and to to fulfill this essential need that I was talking about as it relates to beauty. We are not a political uh, institution, so we have always to say. Uh, Uh, within the boundaries of what is our role, and uh, and that's what we are trying to do. So I think that uh, we are always able uh, to land on our feet and balance in an unstable world. I think is a good thing to have. Moving on to um, to governance. Now I'm the third uh, CEO of the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund in 26 years, and I thought that was uh, you know pretty good, but you are number six. CEO at L'Oreal for the last 114 years. So on average 19 years per person. And I have just never seen anything like it. You know, it's uh, it's both a great honor for me, obviously, to uh, to, uh, uh, to to be given that, that responsibility. But I think it's a testimony to a few of, of the L'Oreal uh, keys to success. Uh, the first one, mm. as, you, as you say, is continuity. Uh, this... This uh, company, which is always transforming itself, but you will never hear, you know, big, you know, steering the wheel right and left. Uh, there's a, we are following a strategy. We are consistent, and and the way uh, and and the way the, the company is managed with such stability is allows this. It's a stability that's provided by the management. It's also a stability that's provided by the shareholding structure with uh, the Betancourt family being there from the very beginning and still being the, the, the number one shareholder and clearly with a long-term vision. I mean, you've been with L'Oreal since you were 23 years old and we are pretty much the same age. So, you know, not super young anymore. But what are the disadvantages of uh, being an old-timer? Well, it's, uh, I think it can only be a disadvantage if you assume you know everything and if you assume that you can run the show and if you assume that the world doesn't change and that's uh, i think you know it's so uh, not the loyal culture uh, so what you need to do is first of all uh, constantly uh, question yourself you also have to surround you with people that are different from you and some of them come from different backgrounds i've tried to bring in and before that jean paul Uh, you know, different profiles uh, at the executive committee of the group. A few come from outside. And so you have to have a blend of different profiles. You have to build a team. I'm a great, great believer of the power of the team. You know, I'm a great sports fan and collective sports. I've played for many years handball, which is an, a big sport in uh, in Norway. It's, it's one of the sports where Norway is pretty good. And uh, you have to play with the team. You can't, you can't do it alone. And, and that's probably the 
the, the recipe to avoid uh, either uh, to have too many people thinking the same or, or, or to pretend you know yourself. So I, I, I create a strong team and I make sure they challenge me. They come with ideas. They tell me when they disagree with what I say. Of course, then I have to make the decisions. But but it's really not a you know be alone in your ivory tower and 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 think you're you you know everything because you've been there thirty four years. The majority of your sales is to women, yet you still haven't had a female CEO. When do you think we'll see the first one? Well, you know, I don't know the answer to the question. Uh, what is clear is that uh, L'Oréal is a meritocracy, and. The people are given their roles uh, not based on uh, the color of their hair, their skin, or their gender. And so uh, I'm sure there will be a, a woman CEO uh, for L'Oréal just because there are fantastic women in the company. And if I look today at the way our top positions are split between men and women, if we take the top 300 jobs, so I would say the, the, the key leading position of L'Oréal, it's uh, 47% uh, women. So I think there will be a, uh, a woman uh, CEO for L'Oréal someday, and she will be uh, appointed CEO because she's the best. Mm. And if you were to mention one or two things with the corporate culture that you're trying to tweak now, what are the type of things you're working on? Well, I think uh, now what needs to or what can evolve are several things. First of all, I think we have to simplify even more. The, the danger when you're a big company is that you have over complex processes and the world being so complex and the speed we need to have to, to react to any uh, change in the world is such that uh, I want to make uh, the processes even simpler. So we have a big task force in, in, in internally to, to simplify further our, our ways of working, our processes, our meetings, our our reports to, so that people can fully dedicate their energy uh, uh, to, to, to their work and be uh, as agile as possible. Another element which I'm also trying to evolve, which is not so much a cultural thing, but just the result of, of history, I want to bring more diversity inside L'Oréal. We are, you said, we are a French company. In reality, we're a very international company. But if I look at our... Uh, uh, at our executive committee, it was very European. And since my nomination, uh, I've really brought more diverse profiles. So trying to dig more perspective, which is what beauty is, because beauty is, is really global, but it's very cultural and having point of views of people from different nationalities, skin colors, uh, I think is something that uh, is true at the top, but has to be uh, uh, probably uh, continuously improved at the, at the at global level of the company. Mm-hmm. Nicola, finally, you mentioned that uh, L'Oreal is a young company and um, we have a lot of students uh, listening into this podcast. What is the best advice you can give young people and students who want to get into the beauty industry? Well, first of all, I tell them it's a fantastic choice because, uh, uh, you know, I've been 34 years in this industry and uh, I can see, think of very little other industries that have this uh, this incredible balance of creativity, innovation, which is really at the heart of what we do. Uh, and at the same time, you know, making people feel really better and happy when they use our products. And I would tell them uh, if they join L'Oréal, of course, that uh, they have to, uh, to, uh, to keep their passion, uh, to, to nurture it, to be entrepreneurs, to, uh, to propose and to follow their uh, their ideas, uh, even if uh, sometimes people tell them uh, why well, it may not be a good idea, but to be, to, to be passionate because L'Oréal is a company where 
everybody can have an impact. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of uh, young people say, I want to have an, an impact. And at L'Oréal, you can create the beauty that moves the world. And that's a fantastic impact to have. And what should they study read and do to get a job with you? Well, I think as it relates to studies, it really depends on the, you know, the, the function or the department they would want to join. We need marketeers, we need engineers, we need uh, data scientists, we need tech people. So there's frankly, uh, uh, there, is, there are jobs for any type of, uh, of, of studies at L'Oréal, but I think we need curious people, people that are excited, looking, at, looking out to what's happening in the world. They should be going to the movies, they should be... Uh, Uh, reading uh, either the classics or science sci-fi books. I'm a fan of science fiction, which is why I'm interested in the metaverse. Watch TV series, go, go to museums, and, and, and to some extent, be sensible to beauty because you don't need to be uh, you don't need to be passionate about lipsticks or cosmetics. I wanted to be an oceanographer, so I had nothing to do with beauty, but I was curious and excited about the world and uh, and, and uh, the power of image and, and arts. And uh, and I think in the end, we need we need passionate, curious people. That would be an important criteria. Wonderful. Sounds like a great plan. It's been fantastic having you on, and thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you very much. Take care now. 